Hello again. We're in the tungsten space now. We're talking to Roskill analyst Jessica Roberts. Jessica, always good to see you. Let's talk first of all about tungsten prices. We've seen them recover somewhat in the last few weeks. What's your take on that? Yeah, so tungsten prices, I guess, in Q3 last year basically dropped off a cliff. Uh, they fell to under $200 per metric ton unit, which is pretty low for the market. And then since October, really, uh, they've recovered. So we've seen them sitting more at about $240 per MTU. So slightly better, but still not quite where some companies would like them to be. Uh, so the reason why prices were low, basically, we've seen quite large fall in automotive production the last couple of years. Tungsten is ultimately about 30% of the tungsten units are used in car production, so it's an important sector. Uh, US-China trade war hasn't helped things either. The reason why they've recovered, though, is because last year, September, we saw a bit, little bit of a resolution to one of the issues that has been overhanging the tungsten market since 2015. You're talking about Fania, aren't I'm you? I'm talking about Fania, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm not sure if your viewers are, are sort of familiar with Tell Fania. Tell us the story. Okay, so Fania, where do I begin? Uh, it was basically a Ponzi scheme, shall we say. But it was set up and it operated between 2011 to 2015 within China. Um, 14 different minor metals were traded on it. Tungsten was one of them. And as a result of, of sort of um, not, not straightforward policy, shall we say, large metal stocks built up within Fania. It sort of got liquidated in 2015. And then the tungsten market and other minor metal markets we're left with large stocks and no home to go to. So there's a lot of stock tied up in that then. Is it all fully resolved now? Has it all been auctioned off? It, to some extent. So obviously the, the, the tungsten stocks getting sold last year was uh, a bit of a relief to the market. They ended up going to China Molybdenum, very large Chinese tungsten producer. And the volumes contained in that for, for tungsten alone were about 20% of global primary supply in 2018. So quite large volumes. Um, so there, obviously, the price recovery does represent that the market is relieved to see something happen to those stocks. But I think it's still quite cautious because those stocks still exist. You know, ultimately, they need to be used up at some point in the future. So I guess the question for people at the moment is, what will China Molybdenum do with those stocks? Will it be responsible? Will it release that material sort of slowly and over time? Or is it going to be more opportunistic and perhaps when tungsten prices recover, flood the market potentially? So I think this is just a, an issue that some market participants are still looking at, still aware that those tungsten units exist. And, you know, based on our uh, supply demand forecast for tungsten over the next few years, it indicates that actually it's going to take quite a few years for those, that, those inventories to be used up. So it's something that people are aware of. And yet staying in China, a mm. new tungsten exchange, this time based in Guangzhou. Mm. I suppose people are going to have question marks over that now and wonder if it's going to be the same as Fanier. I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of concern. It's still quite early days. So the Guangzhou Rare Metals Exchange is planning to trade some of the metals that were traded on Fanier, so things like tungsten, rare earths, cobalt. There's also a couple of others that weren't traded, so things like molybdenum and tin. Uh, very early days with that new exchange, but it does appear to be more of a sort of physical trading house akin to the LME or Shanghai Metal Exchanges, rather than a sort of financial product that Fania turned out to be. I think it's interesting though, because it does raise the sort of question as to whether actually should a lot of these minor metals be traded on an exchange? Because in the case of tungsten, 
molybdenum, some others, you know, they don't actually get traded on things like the London Metal Exchange. And what we've seen with the metals that do get traded, things like tin and so on, is that actually you lead to quite a, a sort of reduction in market volatility and price volatility over time. And that's one of the, I guess, key challenges with metals like tungsten, is that you get a lot of price volatility and that does make financing of projects quite a challenge. So I think there are some benefits to an exchange-based system. Is it right for tungsten? I guess we'll find out. You mentioned inventories earlier mm. on, Jessica. What about tungsten supply side? What's your take on that right now? Yeah, so if we look at supply, perhaps talk about some of the projects that are coming through. Um, I think a lot of people are interested to see what will happen with these two large projects in Spain. So there's the Barricopado project, which is being developed by Soloro. It's ultimately owned by Oak Tree Capital and Ormond. And then you've got the La Perilla project, which is being developed by W Resources. I think a lot of your, your viewers will be familiar with spoken to Michael with Masterman about that. Yes, we Absolutely, have. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, it's taken a couple of, of months uh, more than anticipated, I think, for those those projects to start to ramp up. Um, with Barricopado, they do seem to be in a bit of a challenging environment. The 30% owner, Ormond Mining, announced that it intended to sell its stake to Oak Tree, the 70% owner, uh, for a consideration of, of 6 million euros, which shareholders might be disappointed with. But I think with the position that Barricopado is in at the moment, it's quite a challenging environment. They recently had to call upon Oak Tree for another 10 million euros of, of uh, financing for capital working uh, requirements. And it looks like uh, another announcement from the company in the last couple of, of months suggested that they might need another cash injection, uh, potentially February, March time. So one to keep an eye on. Uh, Laparilla, they've just announced that they've shipped the first concentrate from their new concentrator plant. So that's a really big step for the company. And I think uh, the market's going to be eager to see those new tungsten units flowing into the market as well. So that's supply. What about demand? How much demand is there, especially given all this metal that was caught up in that exchange? Mm. So demand for tungsten, I guess, is really linked to four main markets. You've got the car market, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, you've also got aerospace markets, mining and construction. And in terms of the car market, it's had a couple of tough years. Uh, global production is down year on year in China by about 8%. And we are looking at that market cautiously for this year, perhaps another down year this year, and perhaps a recovery sort of looking forward into 2021, 2022. Aerospace is actually performing very well at the moment, a real bright spot for the tungsten market. And then mining and construction, I think the picture is different regionally depending on where you are. But basically it comes down to the fact that tungsten is an intrinsic metal. When it comes to manufacturing, you need tungsten because it's going into the tools that are ultimately making the products that we rely on in everyday life. So there will always be a market for tungsten, but I guess you could say it's very cyclical and at the moment we do appear to be more at the sort of bottom uh, of the cycle rather than the top. But if you flip that around, you could say, well, the next couple of years should be good, should see a recovery. So it's an interesting space yeah. to watch. Yeah. Jessica Roberts, thanks very much indeed. Yeah, thanks, Polly.